Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host tonight, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by David Arnold and Ernest Watts. And it's our 56th show, guys. Can you believe that? 56 shows in the last year. Anything sticks LT. out to you, Ernest? LT, uh, that we're doing 56, and we're still doing 50. <laughs> we might do 57. Every one that we do is an achievement. Oh, okay. Set the bar Wait, low there. When you're, and, when you're 62, waking <laughs> up is an achievement. And the other <laughs> end of the scale is David Arnold, 27 yes. years old. David, what when sticks you, out to you for the last year? When you're 27 and have th- two kids, three on the way, falling asleep is an achievement. So on the other side of the spectrum from Ernest there. That's, that's right. A, that, that's what sticks out to me. And sleep doesn't matter at your age, right? Uh, that is false. It's, <laughs> it's very needy, but yes, yes. I tell every young parent, forget about sleep. You won't have it anymore. Even when they move away, you're going to be worried about them. As, <laughs> as your father will say right now, something else wakes you, you up. worry at night and you do not sleep. Uh, no, something else wakes me up. But anyways, we're getting too personal here. Folks, we're All here right. about talking about sports and we're on the great American man family of podcasts growing every month, it seems, and also on sportscountry.net. we got to get those plugs in there, and you can listen to us on sportscountry.net at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on most days. But tonight we're going to talk about NBA free agents, Major League Baseball, and their all-star game. Um, Commission for the day, what changes would we make in Major League Baseball to speed it up and get better ratings? And then Women's World Cup brings up a whole idea of what is a good celebration and what is a great celebration if you don't know alex morgan scored and pretended to sip a teacup which i thought was great so let's go back to nba free agents and i'm going to sort of phrase it this way because we all know we got to talk about Kawhi leonard at the end but which team did the best and free agents and i want to ask you guys did the nets do the best with signing these semi-old free agents of kevin durant Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. Ernest, what do you think? I don't think so. I mean, everybody's making them the the winners of free agency, but you remember again, so few athletes return as the same player after uh, after an Achilles tendon injury. And you know, the only one that I again we've talked about in the past, the only one I remember is Dominique Wilkins. So I don't think they're going to get the Kevin Durant that we've seen with Golden State. And let's face it, Kyrie. Pretty much, they gave Kyrie the the boot. I mean, Boston didn't shed any tears. They they didn't counter offer anything. So, and Jordan is a great shot blocker and a great rebounder, but he can't hit free throws. That means he can't play the last three minutes of a basketball game. So i I don't think I don't think they did a great job. I I like I said, I think they overreached. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the Knicks didn't even offer Durant. They're yeah. worried about that that Achilles tendon injury. Uh, David, you can't what do go you think? with what the Knicks think, anyways. David, yeah, I think uh, I'm with Ernest. I wouldn't trust Kyrie Irving uh, to make me breakfast, let alone run my basketball franchise. Um, he is just so far out there, and it really turned me off as a leader with his with his behavior this past year. Kevin Durant is a great basketball player, but he's going to be 31 when he returns from his Achilles injury. And if there was one injury in basketball, that, that is career-threatening, or at least to maximizing your potential, it's the Achilles, right? Uh, DeMarcus Cousins just suffered from the injury, and he's definitely not the same player anymore. Uh, so I, that would worry me. The big winner for me is the 76ers. Just an unbelievable job. 
Um, you know, the one guy who could guard Joel Embiid in the playoffs last year, or, or did the best at least, um, Al Horford. So now Al Horford is on the 76ers, and he's going to be a great mentor to Joel Embiid, a great locker room presence, as opposed to whatever Jimmy Butler has been mm. uh, at all of his tumultuous stops. Also, the best player to guard uh, Giannis in the playoffs arguably would be Al Horford as well. He's done a great job guarding him in the regular season. And really, the buck stops through Milwaukee, right? Um, so if you're the 76ers, you have to plan to face Giannis in the playoffs next year, especially if Kawhi ends up in L.A., uh, which who knows? It's a 50-50 bet right now uh, as we're recording this. So so the 76ers getting the one guy um, who can unlock their team's potential fully maximized. Also, shout out to the Warriors for getting... D'Angelo Russell in the Kevin Durant saga because the Warriors went from potentially losing Kevin Durant to and getting nothing to getting D'Angelo Russell in the package. So at least they get an all-star and at the very least also they have a tradable asset in the future. They, they can flip D'Angelo Russell for at least a first-round pick or two. So instead of getting nothing out of the whole Kevin Durant situation, they, they got a potential all-star slash very tradable young asset. Uh, so that, that was big for them. So what do you think that? Yeah, I think that we won't have the same two teams in the finals next year because I don't think <laughs> Kawhi is going back to Toronto and I don't think Golden State can come back, especially you don't know what's going to happen to Klay Thompson. So I think to Ernest, what would be your two teams? I know we don't know where Kawhi is going to land. Who would you predict now? It's way, way, way too early, but to be in the finals next year. You know, Brogdon leaving Milwaukee is, hurts a lot. They did resign George Hill. Uh, I, I'd have to go with Milwaukee because you have to, you kind of have to earn that playoff loss. I think at the East, I think even if Kawhi goes to Toronto, there's a question about Danny Green, and again, it, it's kind of hard to get the whole gang together in that respect. In the West, there's some. I, Utah has impressed. I mean, Utah to me awesome has, yeah. has been the best in free agency. Mm-hmm. Utah with trades and free agency has done the best. I really like what Utah's done. Uh, the Rockets, I think they're going to trade Cabela, so I don't think they're going to be as good. They've got some salary cap situations in the East. I think JJ Redick. I think the Sixers are going to really miss him. He went to New Orleans. I don't, you know, Josh Richardson. And is pretty much your three-point shooter with Tobias Harris. With that, with Simmons playing point guard in the lane, <laughs> you need you need at least three guys who can hit three-pointers outside. So I don't think it's Philly. I think it's again Milwaukee. I think Toronto will have a little bit of a celebration lag or hangover in the West. Boy, and like I said, it, it's a wild shot, but I'm going to go with Utah. The wow. the West is going to be a lot of fun next year, and. and- if Kawhi does go to the Lakers and we get a Lakers 76ers finals matchup, it's going to be like watching the Monstars versus the Monstars. <laughs> uh, you know, the smallest player on the court for the 76ers is going to be six foot six. Josh, no Muggsy Bogues on the Mon- Monstars anymore? Uh, no, no Muggsy Bogues in the 2019 uh. Monstars there. Yeah, LeBron James is going to be playing for the. The Monstars in June and then the Looney Tunes in July. Uh, <laughs> so, so. Pretty fun, just huge guys, especially if Kawhi is on the team with LeBron and Anthony Davis versus the super tall 76ers, long and tall. They might not be able to shoot. Uh, it's really going to be 
all the pressure is going to be on Ben Simmons in Philadelphia uh, to learn how to shoot somehow, some way. He's going to have to play point guard. I mean, uh, McConnell left, J.J. Redick left. I mean, they have no true guards. Now, here's an under-the-radar signing that the Lakers did. Uh, Jared Dudley, who I think is one of the great glue guys in the NBA, uh, they picked him up. And I kind of figure wherever Kawhi goes, uh, Danny Green's going to follow him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a package deal. You, you always see there, there's always ends up being a three point shooter in every generation that kind of ends up attaching himself. You know, there, there's the Steve Kerr types with Chicago. Uh, you saw Ray Allen kind of bounce around from championship contender to championship contender uh, doing that. You, you need that guy in the corner that's going to be consistent for you. So, did Kawhi and uh, Danny Green become buds at San Antonio? Is that why they're a package deal? They were a package well, deal. Danny Green made the salary work in the trade to Toronto. Oh. Uh, essentially he was just a filler piece who they San Antonio was not going to resign this past off season. Uh, so pop kind of said, all right, let's do it. Let's send Danny, Danny out to, to make the numbers work. Um, and then, and then he's kind of, he is what he is. He's not, he's not a great player. He's a pretty average player, but he can make three pointers in the playoffs, uh, which is, you can always use that. Right? Well, Dave, let me ask you a question. Since Markeith Moore signed with the Pistons, did he just wear his his brother's old jersey there? <laughs> I think I think did the other brother sign yet? Because I think both brothers kind of want to play together. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if something happens there, like the Lopez twins out in Milwaukee, which will be awesome as well. Uh, you know, the Pistons are going for the all 2012 NBA team <laughs> with uh, Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. On the same team. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, got, I got a question. If you got enough basketballs for him and Reggie Jackson, because Reggie Jackson doesn't share the ball too much. Uh, Reggie Jackson's going to be out of Detroit by January. That's so that, that would be a prediction for me. So, yeah, Derrick Rose knows what he is now. And, uh, well, let's yeah. get back to Kawhi Leonard for a second. We know that he, he that turned way south in San Antonio, even though he helped them win a championship. And we know he doesn't like a lot of drama. And they're talking that he'll probably release where he's going through his press agent on Friday afternoon, and he won't even be seen. And so for a guy who doesn't like drama, it seems like Lakers would be just the absolutely wrong pick, especially when he said he wanted to meet with Magic Johnson before he'd do the interview with them. <sighs> so so your guys, you, t- as today, on, Tuesday, on Wednesday, July 3rd, where is Leonard going? David? So everyone thought it was L.A. as of yesterday. But Jalen Rose said today, July 3rd, you know, he'll probably announce before anyone hears this. Jalen Rose said he was 99% sure that Kawhi was staying in Toronto. Uh, So I'm going to trust the Fab Five member right there. Uh, I say Toronto. What about you, Ernest? Well, the reason why he met with Magic is Magic and his uncle have been close friends for over 30 years. Mm. But this is a guy who does not like publicity. If right. there's two teams you can be at where you'll get no publicity, it's the Clippers who are in the shadow of the Lakers all yeah. the time and a team in another country. And I believe uh, he will go to the – just to be different, I'm going to say the Clippers. All right. Way to go on that. I, you know, I think Toronto has been a good fit for him. I think he's going to stay in Toronto for another year. and See, see w- sign a one-year deal. And go from there, right? Right. Why not? And see where it goes out and if Lakers blow up on themselves. I think Lakers, without a really good third person, are not going to go that far. Uh, what do you think? Do you guys think that they're they're done if they don't get a, another third free agent, Ernest? I think 
as wide open as the West is, they're not going to be dominant. I think it, LeBron's going to cede a lot to his other, the other players. I don't think they need a, a third. I think they do need some filling roles. They need a point guard. They need a three-point threat. And they can pick those up because, you know, uh, an old friend of his just got cut by the Phoenix Suns, uh, possibly the fastest shooting three-pointer round, Kyle Corver. So I think Corver is going to be wearing a Lakers outfit. He's another one of those guys that associates him. Wherever it seems like LeBron goes, he winds up playing. I wouldn't count out the Warriors, even with Thompson out, because they made two, sign, two signings that were kind of under the radar also. Willie Cauley-Stein, who's a great rim protector, and Glenn Robinson, who can shoot with anybody. So you put them with Russell. Well, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, back up the bus. <laughs> yes. I know Glenn Robinson III, and we've seen him play. Did something change? Did the magic wand go over his head, Ernest? Well, Are we talking about I the think, same Glenn Robinson? Yes, I think he can score. I think he can be a sh- I think you put him in the right situation. I think he's Golden a pro. State. At the very least, he's a pro. This Willie Colley Stein is, is a great little pickup. I'm sorry. I, I, think, I just I think, like. I hope he is that good, but I just well, have doubts on that one, man. Well, listen, listen I, I'm trying to talk myself into scary Terry Rozier, okay? <laughs> because I think Boston's going to take a step back because I, I believe that, that they're going to find out Enos Canner is not Al Horford. And mm. I, I think, unfortunately, uh, some of their players have regressed. And I think Kimba's 29. Love Kimba Walker. He comes out to play every game. But Six-foot point guards usually don't last past age 30. And he'll be all right this year. But a five-year contract, uh, you know, they, you look at Isaiah Thomas, the first one, not the second one, but he, he falls in the same category. You, you look at small, small park guard point guards, except for John Stockton, who was never quick and never had speed as part of his game. AI, Allen Iverson's another example. You just don't see a lot of point guards like wide receivers in the NFL past the age of 30. All right, guys. So I think Boston will regress. I have some um, free agents still out there, and I'm going to name them to you, and, and you give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. So let's just pretend we're Lakers GM, and these guys are still out there. Do you want them? All right, here we go. Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Yeah. No. Uh, he'll be on the team whether or not I want him to be. Okay. He all doesn't right. bring anything. I mean, he's he's washed as right. a young kid. He brings right. a friendship. All right, Andrew Bogut. Washed. All right. Yeah, no, thank you. No, no thank thumbs you. Thumbs down. Corey Brewer. Yes. Definitely. Defensive stopper. Again, James Harden's ear. He's still Three available. Uh, all right. Let's see. Trey Burke. Yes, you need you need a backup point guard. Yeah, I agree with you that. You need a point guard at all, but you need a backup point uh, guard for right. sure. Well, another guy out there is Jose Calderon. He's available. Uh, too old. He's yeah, I'll, t- I'll take Trey Burke over Calderon. And this is Ernest's favorite guy. Vince Carter is still out there. 42 <laughs> years old, 21 years in the NBA, averages 17 oh, yeah. point game. Yeah, Vince, you're forgetting. I would take him. Yeah, yeah definitely. Professionalism, I mean, he's a great mentor. But you're forgetting somebody. Well, Tyson Chandler's available. No, I'm talking about somebody who's an all-star. Oh, boy. Help me out. I was going to say Dwayne. I think Dwayne Wade will end up on the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, he's done. He's done. We've seen Damari Cousins. That's right. He is available. Marcus Cousins, yes. Marcus Cousins, yeah. I would do it. I would do it if I was Demarcus. Uh, Paul Gasol is 
Gasol's washed. He's washed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Just threw out I mean, some names there. He, I mean, if he, he couldn't, as much as the Spurs tried to get him in there, he couldn't. But Cousins would be a nice pickup. I think they got uh, – there's some point guards out there. How about there. Jeremy I mean, Lin? Lin Sanity's out there. Lin would work out real well. I mean, you're not going to get a starter point guard, but if you can get someone who can – because let's face it, who's going to bring the ball up? Right. LeBron. LeBron's, LeBron's going to bring the ball up. You just need someone to give him some moments on the bench. You know, you put Cousins in there. He's already played with AD. I mean, they did pretty well. I, they they beat Portland. They beat put Portland in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, that was after Boogie tore his Achilles. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. That, that, it fits in pretty good. They played together. There's a familiarity. One-year contract. You take a flyer at him. Uh, you get some 3 and D guys because I don't think they're getting Leonard. Oh, I think they're going to get Andre Iguodala. And that, that's going to be a, a huge addition, I think, as well. Hey, he only have so really many spots, old guys. In the finals. He well, looked, really looked old. Yeah, I mean, but just as a veteran. Is, this is starting to sound like 2002 Laker team. 2004, <laughs> four Lakers, yeah. Carl Malone, Gary Payton. Yeah. Right. yeah well, let's is... wrap up the NBA talk and move on to the game of summer days, the boys of summer. Major League Baseball is still around, folks. They've been playing since April, and they're coming to their All Star game. And the 2019 All-Star rosters were announced. And I skimmed through them and I went, who, what, where, huh? And there's a lot of names, a lot of first-time All-Stars and um, a lot of pitchers that you would recognize. But the best player in baseball still has to be Mike Trout. And, uh, but who do you think is the second best player in baseball, Ernest? Wow, I'm prejudiced. Freddie Freeman. Oh, uh, Freddie. Uh, yeah, Freddie. But if I wasn't as prejudiced, and this is probably going to cost me because of the position he plays, I'd have to go with Javi Baez. You don't like Yelich? Christian Yelich? Shortstop is such a crucial position, and he is as good a fielder as he is a, a batter. And and Yelich is a nice right fielder, great power position. The Braves are actually offered him. It was supposed to be an even trade for Ronald Acuna Jr. two mm-hmm. years ago, and the Braves turned that down. Of course, Yelich, when he was with Florida, he wasn't the home run hitter he is in Milwaukee. And again, great hitter, but as crucial as I'll have to say, Javi Baez. All right. David, yeah. do you have any clue of who's the second best player in baseball besides Trout? Okay, so we haven't talked about any pitchers. And I just want to throw out there, it's amazing to me the, for the consistency and the length of time that he's been so dominant, especially w- with a power-type arm that JD. normally goes away with age. Not Justin Verlander, but let's talk about another Tiger who the Tigers didn't pay oh, trade away and is watching succeed. Um, Max Scherzer is someone that that has just consistently been at the top of his game. And I think, you know, he's always been the number two or three pitcher every year, it seems like, no matter which league he's in, whether it's AL to NL. Just for consistency, uh, the strikeout numbers he puts up, you know, the number of all-star games, uh, j- just being as consistently great as he is, Max Scherzer deserves a lot of love there. Not uh, only the Tigers, you got to throw the Diamondbacks. That's for you, Nate, in case you're listening. Well, we tra- Diamondbacks yes. gave up on him also. So I would, one or two, no, he is the most dominant pitcher of this generation. 
I mean, I, I, I put it this way. Clayton Kershaw wishes he was match. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, just want to cry. Is, I mean, you get three Cy Youngs in a row, you're a Hall of Famer. And then this year he busts his nose in, in <laughs> bunning practice and pitches the next day when he could have easily wimped out. I mean, he is a gamer. You never hear him complain. He's been mismanaged with the Nationals. Uh, he, and I can't say a pitcher is the second best player because they're only on there. Yeah, right. Day. Well, well, definitely Max Scherzer is an awesome player. I remember the first time I saw him on TV, I was a little freaked out. Do you know what I'm talking about visually if you look at Max Scherzer? Oh, the, the eyes, the different colored eyes. That's right. He's got a brown eye and a blue eye, which looks like, whoa, what? And just now, who else you had that? Someone else famous had that situation. Oh, boy. Oh, he'll never get this. I have no clue who you're talking about now. David Bowie. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I knew. Now he's going to ask me to see the guy with the knife. No, no, the, no, no, no. I know the actor Bowie and singer. Is. Okay. Also, yeah. also, sh- shout out to Luis Castillo for making All Star games in three different decades. Ooh, very good. Oh, one. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Obvi- obviously, it's not the same Luis Castillo. But no. every time I see his name, he's a pitcher for the Reds <laughs> as opposed to the former All Star second baseman, Luis Castillo. There's certain <laughs> names, uh, Hispanic names, like Polanco. You think how many different Polancos have played in the in the Major League Baseball? There's just tons of them. Well, that's interesting because Brian McCann's son was the catcher for the Georgia Tech team that was uh, uh, got into the regionals in NCAA. Brian McCann? Yeah, his son is already playing college. Brian baseball. McCann's old enough to have a son that plays college baseball. He, he's 38 years old. Yes. Wow. I'll do the math for you later. Okay. <laughs> but now there's some young names there that I think. Wow. Uh, that are inter- I mean, that's the one great thing about baseball is the young players that you're seeing now, like the Austin Meadows with the Rays, who came from the Pirates, Joey Gallo, who's a power hitter, and, and Max Chapman. Matt Chapman is probably the most underrated player in baseball. He's the third baseman with the A's. And he's just a great, great, great – I mean, he's, he's hitting. He's one of the best fielding players in the last 20 years. Tommy LaStella, who used to be with the Cubs, he's second baseman with the Angels. He came from Coastal Carolina, the team that won the national championship a few years. Brandon Lowe with the race who's going to be starting at second base. I mean, there's just – it's the young talent. I know it's hard for older people to keep track of these, but there are great, some great young players. Pete Alonzo, who's almost leading the league in home runs. Well, Pete Alonzo, kind of like – I just – I didn't think he lived up to his potential at first. I guess it took him a few extra years to get to the pros. Um wasn't he originally drafted by the Pirates? Oh, yeah. Seven, eight years ago now? Oh, yeah. He stayed in the minors for a long time. For a and long it, time, yeah. But speaking about guys in a long time, Alex Rendon, uh, this is the first All-Star game for him. And he's been like – it's because third base is so packed and has been in the National League for all these years. It's his first chance to get this. And There's 31 first-time All-Stars this time. That's the most since 2016. And How many slots are there? There's 31 first-time All-Stars. Yeah, I think you've got uh, all the pitchers, too. 40, yeah, all the so pitchers. Like 40, like 40, like still 40, 45. You know. me, and there's one other, uh, Charlie Morton with the Rays. He's 33 years old. He got sent down to the minors three times by the Braves, learned to trust his curveball when he was with the Astros last year. Actually, when the Astros won the World Series, he won the divisional championship game 
the American League Championship Series game, and he won uh, Game Seven against the Dodgers. So, so is this is this year's All Star game a passing of the torch type year akin to? You know, I think back to two thousand one when Albert Pujols and Ichiro were playing in their first All Star games. Mm. Uh, you know, and on the same teams were Cal Ripken Jr. and Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, passing, passing the, the torch, torch. In, yeah, in, their, yeah. in their last years, yes, in, in All Star games. Uh, with all the youth and first timers here, is is this just because it's a weird year with all this inexperience and, and just kind of luck, or is this is this a true passing of the torch moment generationally? I think, yeah, I think it's the passing of the torch. I mean, um, Freddie Freeman's thirty, and he's one of the older players in here. I mean, it's it's a lot of young talent. If you look at, you don't there's no one over the age of thirty four except for Verlander. I mean, well, everybody else is really I, young. I saw some really great young talent announcers down in Atlanta at the All-Star um, game experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talking about my son here. But if you haven't been to an All-Star game, folks, they always, the Major League Baseball sets up an experience. You can go in, play video games, pretend to be an announcer, see some historical things going on. And so from you, Ernest and Dave, why don't you talk about some of your experiences with going to like the all-star game experience or, you know, what they do around the game, like the home run derby. I went to the one in Baltimore and guys, you're going to have to help me with the year. It was in the mid nineties, 95, we were there too, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I had an opportunity. I was attending Camden yards, a game against the blue Jays who were the world champs. So that make it 92, 93. That was, that was known more for uh, Randy Johnson facing a, particular first baseman from the Phillies who wore his helmet backwards, John Cruck. Uh, I enjoyed the experience. They had the, the mobile uh, Cooperstown exhibit and everything. They had pretty much the train station there, which is in right field at Camden Yards. The whole lower level was there. And I I really enjoyed the experience. And I know when y'all went to Atlanta, it was even better to that extent. They've they've gotten even better at, at the whole experience. Yes, I I mm-hmm. will never forget, um, you know, being a being at the All Star Game, the, the Fan Fest. And I think I, I'm participating in some pitching, you know, you know, whatever fun thing. And, and my dad says, "Hey, David, 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 I think that's Bud Selig walking there. Why, why don't you go up and see if you can take a picture with him?" Uh, and of course, Bud Selig was the former commissioner of baseball forever. Um, it seemed like at least. In my, for, for me, no, I was gonna say, you went to him and said, you ruined the game. You took a year of baseball. Oh, sorry. You know, Ernest, if, <laughs> if, if that was 2019, me, I might have said that. Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid to speak up uh, when something happens. But if you look for Bud Selig on Google Images, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. You'll never find a person with more disheveled pictures of himself looking confused and, and just kind of the, what what are you saying? The old grumpy man looked in Bud Selig. Do you know uh, how he got into baseball? He bought the Brewers. Uh, he bought, he had partial interest in the Milwaukee Braves. He was Hank Aaron's car dealer. Hank Aaron <laughs> bought a car from him. I kid you not. And he did not know much about baseball that time, but he talked to Hank Aaron and he bought a small interest in the Milwaukee Braves before they moved to Atlanta. And after they left, they were tried to purchase several teams. They tried to buy the White Sox, even an arrangement where the White Sox would play five to ten games every year uh, before the Seattle Pilots moved to Milwaukee 
in the old county stadium. And then in 1970, uh, the uh, pilots could not get a new stadium. They played in an old AAA stadium called Six Stadium. They purchased, and they got to the point after spring training, the pilots wore blank jerseys during spring training. Then they got halfway to Utah and had to make the decision, are we going to Milwaukee with the bus, with all the equipment, or are we going to Seattle? And someone telegraphed, and they stopped at Utah, and they drove to Milwaukee because the first-year uniforms were just – they just printed generic brewers on the outside. So he got <laughs> started. Go. Hank, one wrong thing Henry Aaron ever did. One wrong thing. He associated by a car from Bud Seeley. But he was a true gentleman. He took a picture with David. I took it. He, and nobody was around him. He was just walking around by himself. I went to the fan experience both in Baltimore and in Atlanta. Both were great. Um, it really helped you get into the mood. And it's great that they allow uh, fans to go to those, even though they don't have tickets to the game, to sort of have fun with the whole experience. Um, do you remember anything else from it, David? I remember uh, just just the environment of being in the convention center where they were having the Fan Fest. Mm -hmm. It was such an amazing atmosphere and seeing all the cool uh, different teams represented, the colors, the pageantry, that's that's worthwhile going to. It's almost like going to a Hall of Fame or something like that, kind of similar where you just see everyone celebrating. It's such a celebration of talent and just everyone's communities because really it's it's every single community coming together and be like, this is our community. We're, we're representing our team, our city. And that's a very cool experience. Also, it's very cool for the city themselves to be like, you know, this is what we present. This is what we offer. Very cool for Cleveland. Um, I, I remember also getting a, a very cool card game where you kind of like threw the dice out and, you know, it was like pitcher versus player, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's something I remember. I remember you trying to help me make like a Babe Ruth card for the game and, <laughs> and super overpowered compared to the dice. Just silly stuff like that. Great childhood memories. For, for sure. Uh, so cool. So cool. Now, Ernest, you the have a I... pretty big baseball collection of uniforms, hats. What is your oh, most prized baseball possession? Oh, my. Uh, I'm talking thousands, folks. He's got hats from yeah, all the minor league teams. Yeah, I've got, a, I've He's got, got a, everything. I've got an Orioles and Braves warm-up jacket with the orange sleeves and the Braves with the tomahawk chop. I've got uh, – I was going to – I would say, my gracious, the, the original 70s Orioles Laughing Bird hat. Mm. Uh, I got one of those. I, then I've got an old Orioles jersey, the old uh, polyester with the, the two stripes on the side, with the Orioles, not with the script underneath, uh, kind of the white pullover jersey. It's got Cal Ripken's number on the back. I'd have to say that. I mean, I just, yeah. And I've got some, I got like a couple of hats that have been banned. <laughs> uh, there was a batting uh, a pra batting practice helmet hat, excuse me, for the Braves, which had the old logo in the '69 team of what's uh, I shall politically correctly uh, say it is a laughing Native American Brave. Mm -hmm. uh, the, is and, it the, the screaming Brave? Is that what yes, it? yes, yes. And uh, New Era came out with it about ten years ago. And it got pulled before it pulled out of market. And I knew a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> at a new era shop. And he pulled one for me. And I have one of those, mm. uh, which you can't wear in public. But, uh, yeah, I've got some that, that, that 
weren't war uh, and some some old designs and things. Those are the ones I enjoy. The big thing for the All-Star game, and again, it's lost value to me, and I'll tell you why. Because as a kid, you had one baseball game on every week. You didn't have a national, you didn't have cable, and it was the NBC game of the week with Tony Kubek and Joe Gosciola or Kirk Gowdy. And it'd be Dodgers, Cardinals, Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox. And the All-Star game was a chance you could see guys you read about in Sporting News. Sporting News was a newspaper that came out once a week and it had every it had a write-up for every game played. And for a young baseball fan in the 60s, it was like the the sand, it was like the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. I would read it from end to end. I could tell you the batting average of Freddie Valentine, wide uh, 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 center fielder for the Washington Senators. And the part when they introduced themselves and they would stand up and you'd see these players for the first time mm. was big. And the all-star game that I'll never forget was 1971. Yes, and that was Pete Rose running over Fosse. Well, no, no, that's set, that was 70. Oh, 71. was Detroit. Oh. Uh, Reggie Jackson hit the transformer. Oh, that's right. Right. Stadium. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Frank Robinson hit a home run. It was Vita Blue uh, against um, Doc Ellis. Oh, wow. And it was the first time two African-American players had started p- as pitchers in the uh, All-Star game. But it was a slugfest. And it was, back then, the teams got up for each other because there wasn't that much movement. They didn't have inter- – I love interleague play, but it was a different game. Now, most of these guys just want to be named the All-Star game for the, the bonuses in their, in their uh, contracts. Right. Strangely enough, not the one thing Doc Ellis is most well-known <laughs> for. No, no, he uh, pitched no hitter under the influence of acid. My man, wow. he he would have fit in very well in the Rockies. Wow. He would he would put curlers <laughs> under his hat. At that time, the Pirates had, and I have I have one of these, the pillbox hats. They were in you know, 1976 was the hundredth anniversary of the Cincinnati Reds' first organized baseball, and they had pillbox square hats. And Doc Ellis would wear curlers in his hair <laughs> okay. under the hat. How, how Will Ferrell has not made a baseball movie set in the 1970s by now is beyond <laughs> me. Because talk about the Flint Tropics. Anything, Will Ferrell playing Doc Ellis in a movie. Could you oh. ever top minor league? Oh. Could you ever top major league? Could you ever top major league? I mean, the, that's the... Give me John C. Riley as a 40-year-old grizzly catcher. Uh, and I'll watch anything. Yes. Well, Holmes and Watson did, did pretty well for them, so they All may right. back off. Now we're on a tangent, folks. Sorry, pulling sorry, us back. Pulling us back. If you guys were commissioner for a day, let's do one more thing about Major League Baseball and the move on. We know there's going to be some changes next year with relief pitchers, and Ernest can give us a brief description of that. But if what would you change? And I'm going to tell you what I would change. And I know Ernest's going to groan at this one, and David was like, "Come on." I think there needs to be warning lights that there's a time limit for every at-bat. And the pitcher and the uh, hitter will see the light. And when it hits yellow, that means they have 10 seconds either to get in the box or to throw the pitch. And if they don't, they either get a strike or ball against them because it's going on so long. Every time somebody gets in the, you know, every pitch, they have to step out, adjust everything, step back in. It is horrible to watch. I tried to watch a game the other day. Uh, it was uh, Yankees and Red Sox over in London, and it was a great game, a lot of scoring. 
Second just, longest game of all time. Oh, it was Second horrible. Second longest game of all time. It was horrible. And I, I know the lights doesn't sound traditional at all, but there's got to be a way to speed up that whole deal of sort of game and ship and delaying I'm the right game. there with you, Dad. Ask me. Ask me what I would do. What would you do, David? I would put a rule in. If a nine-inning game goes longer than three hours, both teams get a loss. <laughs> wow. Both that's... teams get losses. If a game lasts longer than but three But how do hours, you hold them accountable during the game, though? I mean, that's sort of like Well, you put fact. shot clocks on there, but also things need to get going. Put some urgency to them. People don't – It's okay, first off, in the social media era, the NBA is having a hard time getting people to actually watch the games. And that's the NBA. You know, like – they're they're two two and a half hour long games. Baseball is just like so off the radar. Uh, it's becoming you know so much less popular than even soccer because soccer you go in you get forty five minutes, fifteen minute halftime, forty five minutes of soccer, no commercials the entire time. You tailgate like a football game. Two hours pass. You leave. You're done. Uh, it's it's like an expedited football game. Uh, baseball is just so long and boring. I just can't. I love playing it. I love being involved in the in the chess match that is baseball. But man, you cannot get me to watch a baseball game. I, All right, I Ernest, you can chastise us now. Okay, a lover of baseball, traditional sport. I will tell you that the clock has been tried to be used since 1969. Yes, yeah, since 2009. But yeah. the, the, you're dealing with three different entities. You're dealing with Major League Baseball. You're dealing with the umpires, and you're dealing with the Major League Players Association. The new rule for next year is there's the end of the loogies. The loogie is an invention. That's not a spit. What cartoon. is a loogie? Low uh, left-hander only facing. One guy. Okay, I called it something different in <laughs> elementary school. Okay, this is a Whitey Herzog creation with the Cardinals back in the 80s. Now, any pitcher comes in, has to face either three pit batters or the end of the inning, which means you cannot match up one guy against another. There is some people trying to push to eliminate shifts. I don't think that's the problem. I think the solution is fairly easy in that respect. A, Let's run commercials during live action. Let's split the screen. Let's reduce the amount of time between innings. I think you can save 30 minutes right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can widen the strike, strike zone. Right now, two-thirds of all the action in baseball is strikeouts and home runs. That's two-thirds. There are more pitches thrown which are not making contact than there are making contact. And that's because we have a very strict, narrow strike zone, and guys are looking for one particular picture. Widen the strike zone, have guys start hacking at the ball, that'll speed the game up. Because every at-bat is going to a full count until they get that one pitch they can hit. Widen the strike zone. If you have strikes more often, guys, strikeouts more often, guys are going to try to hit and strike the ball. I also think raise the – I have these – Stupid outfield fences where fans can reach over. No. <laughs> Raise the outfield walls. Let's see some doubles, okay? And let's get rid of the replay. This is not doing anybody what's. If you raise the fences up and you have to see whether a ball was touched or not, go ahead. If a guy's out and gets thrown at it first, big deal. Move on. You know? Ernest, Eliminate the – because it just, used to be one yes. replay call. Now the umpires can do it. They they wait two minutes to decide <laughs> before they want to replay. Uh, dilly dilly, dilly dilly. 
Ernest yeah. for commissioner. Yeah, Did Ernest, everything you said except for the like last it. one. I think they still need <laughs> to have a replay. Because Detroit fans know we are still suffering from that perfect game that should have been because if they had replay, it would have been all different. So I like everything Keep else you said. Everything else. I got one more for David's extra innings. I like to go to American Legion rules, which means in the 10th inning, you start off with a guy on second base. Oh. And in 11th inning, you start with two men on base. <laughs> and when you get to the 12th inning, the bases are loaded when you come to bat. And Let's if- go full XFL style. Have you guys heard about the XFL and their two-point conversion rules? Or, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. I, my heart was broken by the AAF. I can't really love again this early. Well, I'm sorry. I had I another rule. If yes, it gets right, to the yeah, 13th, 13th inning, they have to do what they do in the minor leagues. They have to spin around in a circle with their head on the baseball <laughs> and then hit the ball from a pitcher who did the same thing. I, I, I go with the American Legion rules because that's been going on for 20 years now. It's very successful because those are guys who – have to usually youth teams that have to move yeah. and get out and travel's a problem. So All I think that'll speed David, up. I mean, you, any more words about baseball commission for the day? Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, no. Caught him uh, on where? Uh. Soccer. All right. Now we're going to talk soucer, which David loves. And I'm watching it all the time. And I've watched the Women's World Cup. And across the pond, they were not too amused by Alex Morgan sipping her imaginary teacup after hitting the willing, winning goal with a header shot. And that, I thought, was awesome. I thought it was funny because earlier in the week, the England's manager or coach protested and got upset that the U.S. had spies at their hotel. Please, man. I mean, you're trying to get your team worked up because a couple assistant trainers are at your hotel. Like, what are they going to learn? So it brought up the point in previous sports history, which we have a ton of, what are some of the great celebration moments? So I have a list of here, and I'm going to ask these guys either say, yeah, thumbs up, or give me another one that they like even better. So you guys ready? Fire away. All right. We'll stick with soccer right off the bat. So Brandy Chastain is famous for after they won the World Cup, she pulled off her shirt and showed her Nike sports bra. So most men are in favor of such acts, yes or no? Oh, most definitely. It's the old man in the crowd. I can be uh, a little bit leering. So, yeah, I think it was an iconic <laughs> moment. I think it's the Brett Musburger moment. Yeah, I think before that, women's soccer was, was kind of in the, you know, in the background pretty much. I think that was the defining moment more than any of the other games they won. That, that championship game against – that was China, right? Yeah. Back in 96. So It, it, was, ni- it was 98, and it was against – Japan, I believe. Japan, okay. Because Japan has been the other women's soccer superpower until Europe decided to get involved and spend money on women in soccer. And I'm totally, I thought the celebration, looking back now, uh, in a non-sexualized way, it was, was the perfect way to be like, everyone pay attention to us. We are women and we still can produce awesome sports moments. And we're ripped. She was so strong, her, her abs so, so, and everything. Brandy, Brandy, Christine, Chastain, Chastain, just, just the moment was saying, Hey, hey, we're here. This is an awesome sports moment. You know, you know, we, we are women. We're different than men. Look at us, admire us as sports figures. Uh, In the same way that, that there's some soccer players on this year's team who are taking the sport by the horns and being like, 
you know, we're here, we're cocky athletes. We're doing this because we're the best. You yeah. know, look at us. You know, there, there was another celebration in the quarterfinal when France scored uh, when Megan Rapinoe just stood in the quarter, kind of looking like, um, you know, Atlas. Yeah. Kind of had the the arms out there, and yeah. it was very just like super athletic, yeah. like I am the best and I know I'm the best. It was cocky and it was perfect. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. This one is a, a competition of fist pumps, and I'll let you guys pick. Which fist pump was more iconic? Tiger There's only Wo- one. Tiger Woods or Kirk Gibson? Now, don't forget Kirk Gibson after he hit that home run in World Series. Ernest, what do you think? Oh, it's 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 got to be Kirk Gibson, but that's a hockey <laughs> fist pump. He did the old <laughs> hockey fist pump that you see after scoring a goal. Right, he did. I mean, that's, that's, that's Phil Esposito in the 70s. Oh, that's nice. a man who grew up Skew in Michigan. Old. That's a man who grew up in the state of Michigan playing hockey and baseball. But here, here's the thing. Kirk Gibson's fist pump kind of looked like, you know, if you ever get a cramp when you're running, and you're <laughs> yes. kind of like, oh, I have a cramp, but i got to keep running. Here I go. I'm going to keep pumping these arms. That's what his fist pump looked like. I love Kirk Gibson, you know, Tiger hero forever. Um, but the Tiger Woods fist pump is just like, yeah, yes. higher, stronger. This. Yes. And more and unusual it, on the golf course, too. Yes. It kind of reminds you of, like, if you ever – Celebrating um, the best fist pump isn't even in sports. Uh, the Breakfast Club fist pump, bam, uh, just there. Oh, movie reference. Did he just Judd Nelson on us? I know. I can't believe you didn't do that. Back. Okay. All right. We're moving on to the next one here. All right. <laughs> Michael Jordan's shoulder shrug after he did a great play or Icky Wood's shuffle in Cincinnati. Ernest? Oh, oh, MJ's was so organic. I mean, it was not pre-planned. I mean, he really was shocked that he hit that many three-pointers against the Trailblazers. So I will go, yeah, MJ in a heartbeat. Uh, Here's one thing. Nothing MJ does is ever not pre-planned. Whether it's being the best basketball player of all time or the worst NBA owner of all time. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, Ooh. Uh, excuse me, have you f- heard of this team called the New York Knicks? Yes. I <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons? Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, Ernest, that I have the next one cool. is for you too as well, and then David can chime in. Um, what is a better celebration? Marshall Lynch driving around the golf cart around the football field as a player for California, University <laughs> Cal- or Matumbo's finger wave when people came in and he blocked them? Uh, Matumbo. With that deep laugh, ho, 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 ho. yes, Matumbo, because so many players have mimicked that over the years. Uh, even better than either one of those, Marshawn Lynch eating Skittles on the sideline after scoring <laughs> touchdowns there. Skittles all day gets you the brand, gets you Skittles for life. There's no losing there. All right. uh, both of those are both iconic. Super iconic. Now the last sure. two, last two, one of them brings up a really old reference, but I didn't even know about this. Versus something that's more recent. The more recent one is Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson doing the river dance when he scored a touchdown. But the iconic one, even further back, is Jimmy Persall running the bases backwards for the Boston um, Red Sox after hitting this hundredth career home run. Can you believe that? Back in the early 60s, running backwards around the base path after he hit a home run. So, yeah. Ernest, you're old enough to remember this. So what do you think? Uh, let me shed a little light on that. There was actually a book and a movie about that called Fear Strikes Out. Jimmy Parasol was undiagnosed with bipolar uh, disorder. 
And of course, we didn't know much about that in the 50s and the 60s. In the minor leagues, he would actually try to climb over the batting cage. And because of that, because he was not getting medication for that, because uh, he had a severe mental illness, that's why he ran the bases backwards. And he's kind of a tragic figure because when he came up with the, the red Sox, he was under the wing of Ted Williams. Mm. And, and again, uh, there's a, a great little movie, you got a chance, it was done in the 60s called Fear Strikes Out. Pearsall wound up doing play-by-play for the White Sox in the 70s. And he, he's one of those guys that are kind of tragic in, in baseball in that respect. Now, I will remember Ocho Cinco for bringing out the Hall of Fame jacket on the <laughs> sidelines also, but you're leaving out Terrell Owens uh, with the autograph or the popcorn when he was playing with the Cowboys. Yes. Remember he scored a touchdown and reached down and got the popcorn and started putting popcorn through his helmet. But let's not forget him Don't going forget to Tito. the D, running to the center of Dallas. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. The star. Yeah. The star. Yeah. Stomping on the Dallas star when he was with the 49ers, not knowing that he would later be playing at, for Dallas And who itself. came out to wipe him out for doing it on the star? I'm trying to remember. Some... Dallas player came out after him. Is that Charles Haley? I think it might have. I don't remember at this time. He's a pretty famous player. Um, yeah. I yeah. I never heard of the, the going around the base path backwards. I, I'm a pretty big sports history buff, I would like to think. I'm not on earnest level at all. But I've never heard of that story. That's an amazing story. That that would take a lot of cojones uh, to, so to can you guys think of other um, celebrations that you just loved when somebody did a celebration? It was, you know, a little on the edgy side, like sort of put it in their face. You know, when you win, you can do that. You can sort of like, hey, in your face or look what I just did. Well, you know, Joe Horn 20 years ago had the cell phone, the old flip phone <laughs> under the goalposts. And Michael Thomas mimicked it this year for the New Orleans Saints. Right. And Joe Horn, of course, I knew him because... His uh, coach in high school uh, was the coach at 71st High School. And we would talk about, at that time it was happening, I remember talking to uh, Bob Paroli, who was the head coach at 71st in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and he assuring me that you know Joe Horn is one of the most decent, smart kids he ever knew. Mm. And Horn got a lot of negative publicity. He was an all-pro wide receiver back how, four years ago. How shameful. Yeah, well, how about Deion Sanders and all the stuff he did to sort of you know mock the other team? Yeah, well, but Dion, I think, felt like he had to take kind of persona that really wasn't his character in that respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, you know, did this rap songs, and there's a great 30 for 30 on ESPN about him. Well, the, the year that he played, uh, he played a game in Miami for the Falcons and then got on a plane and flew, played that night against the Tampa Bay, I mean, against the Toronto Blue Jays in the World Series. He was playing center field for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Today we would celebrate if a guy could start an NFL game mm-hmm. at one o'clock, get on a plane, and start in center field in the World Series at seven o'clock on the same day. They'd be named cereal oh, boxes. Could you, could you imagine? Could you imagine a team letting no. letting their starting center fielder play football? Well, now, now remember who the coach in was the, when oh, the World Series. Yeah, but now remember who the coach was the Falcons. That was Jerry Glanville. Yeah. Okay, Glanville played kind of loose. And remember who owned the Braves, Ted Turner. These are two guys who lived for PR. 
Mm-hmm. I got God. another celebration for it. It never happened. To How me. about Bo Jackson running into the tunnel after he scored a touchdown? <laughs> How about Bo Jackson snapping the bat over his knee after he struck out? Not a celebration. Yeah. But effortlessly. I mean, he just – Bo Jackson was – and I got the rare ability. I got to see him live play football and baseball. All right, guys, we're running out of time. I hate to tell you that, Ernest, you're still ramping another story. I'm sorry. Greatest athlete I ever saw. Greatest athlete I ever saw. Bingo. We're going to wrap it up. Your final words. If you want to, give me the best traditions, the best thing about Fourth of July, and any last comments you have. So we're going to go to Ernest, then David. Uh, My good friend, JPP, Jean-Pierre Paul, told me, don't use firecrackers. Oh, you get man. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh. watch the professionals. Stay away from the firecrackers. Oh, wow. If people don't know that story, I, it's sorry. You just missed a great joke. Google it. Google <laughs> it. Oh, man. All right. And what's your favorite thing to do on 4th of July, Ernest? Obviously, it's not fireworks. Uh, cookout. Yeah. Hamburgers, hot dogs. And by the pool. pool. Lay the pool, listen to the ball game on the radio. Uh, since I'm the only one who listens to pay attention to baseball, listening to the Braves or the Rays or the Brewers on the radio. Yeah. All right, David. Uh, so I'm going to combine my birthdays in two weeks. My favorite thing about July, 4th of July, my mom always makes this amazing fruit uh, pizza where it's like sugar cookie as the crust, uh, this cream cheese type-esque topping. Uh, and then the rest of it is just fruit, whether it's strawberries, blueberries, mm, uh, kiwi, fruit. Uh, all of that. And, and just together, I could eat it all in one day. And she'll make you know, it's very American. She, I, I think she normally tests it out for the 4th of July, <laughs> and then she makes me a separate one for yes. my birthday. Mm. Um, and, and I can eat the entire thing by myself both times. And it just that's synonymous with summer and the 4th of July for. If you don't have fresh fruit uh, on the 4th of July, you're really missing out because it's the hottest time of the year. The freshest fruit, let all the juice just soak into your mouth when you take bites into watermelon or blueberries. That's what I think. Fresh fruit in the summer. Uh, and, of course, hot dogs also as well. But just the fresh fruit and just the heat and just it's perfect. It's so American. It's so perfect. Uh, we're lucky to live where we live. So that's that's my thoughts. And for me, 4th of July reminds me that baseball once was America's pastime, and I do have the time to enjoy watching a game, having a ballpark hot dog, uh, enjoying the day, just relaxing, watermelon, got to have it, and just hang around with family. And if I can go swimming, that's just a bonus. But uh, 4th of July, middle of the summer is awesome. And guys, you did an awesome job today. Once again, you've listened to Part of the Confusion. You can check us out on iTunes or go to part, um, greatest, Great American Band Podcast Family. Either way, you'll find our podcast, and we really appreciate you listening. If you have ideas, email me at contact at greatamericanman.org. And for Ernest Watts and for David Arnold, we thank you, and we say good night. Das Vidania. <laughs>